0: Uh, We're continuing in our relationship series this morning in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verses 1 through 9 and 20 to 25. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you." In the future, when your son asks you, what is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and laws the Lord our God has commanded you, tell him. We were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders, great and terrible, on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household." but he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land he promised on oath to our ancestors. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive as is the case today. And if we are careful to obey all this law before the Lord our God as he has commanded us, that will be our righteousness.
1: Amen. Thank you, guys. Hey, can we say happy mothers to these two wonderful mamas up here too? And really to every mother and mother figure here, we're so glad you're here. Please do grab a bouquet uh, for, for yourself or someone else can grab it for you and get it to, uh, get it to everybody who really want to celebrate. Because what a, what a gift we have in our, in our mothers. So we praise God for you. And as Cindy mentioned, for those of you that Mother's Day might be a little bit harder of a day, uh, maybe with pain or loss, just know that we are especially here for you. We love you. We're we're, we're praying for you, in whatever way we can be, uh, we want to want to meet you there. Uh, let's pray, and then we'll we'll get into our text today. Father, thank you so much for the wonderful mothers you have blessed us with at Current, uh, and and the and the mother figures. Uh, what a gift! And of course, uh, the cliche really is true. You can't just celebrate uh, Mother's Day. Is, it shouldn't just be one day. Um, but, we're, but on this day, we just want to say thank you, first of all, for, for one of these just greatest gifts that life gives us, that you, that you give us in, in this life. Bless them, protect them, comfort them. Would this year ahead be one of many blessings for them and their families? And then, Father, yes, as, as we think about uh, those who, who maybe uh, Mother's Day is a little bit harder for them. And there are a few individuals in my life that I think of on, on this day. Would you, would you especially comfort them, minister to them, help them experience a special sense of your love and covering? Fathers, we turn now to this very big topic of parenting. We ask for your spirit, as ever, to open it up to us and understand what teaching you have uh, for each of us. We pray this in, in your son's name, in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Uh, a few years back... Cindy and I were invited to a church planter's lunch gathering, and uh, it was with a pastor named Tim Keller. Now, if that name sounds familiar, you've been attending Current for a little while, uh, you know that he's had a big impact in my life. Uh, He's probably one of the two up there with my my dad, who himself was a pastor, uh, has had a huge influence on me. Uh, He was our pastor from afar when Cindy and I lived in China. It's kind of a random story, but we attended two small groups, one in Beijing, one in Shanghai, and both those groups separately, uh, listened to Pastor Tim Keller sermon. So I just got to know him. He became a pastor from afar. So that, all this is to say is it became, it was a real treat when he was visiting and we got to sit down with him. He's written a number of influential books. He planted with his wife, Kathy, out of uh, Manhattan, New York. So just right there in the heart of the city back in the early nineties. And uh, so we were just really looking forward to get some time with him in this, in this group of other church planners. And when there came to be a time for a question and answers, Cindy and I were just like chomping on the bit. We're like, "Oh, we get to ask a question! Like, what what should we ask?" And that was the problem right away. It's like, "Oh, we we were given one question. Each table got one question. Like, what are we going to ask? Should we ask about church planting? Uh, Should we ask about uh, cultural trends and how the church can respond?" And we thought about it for a while, and we ultimately decided on asking a parenting question. So, Pastor Tim you know given the times we're in and given the stakes being what they are how would you counsel christian parents in raising their kids in a place like the bay area that was our question it was like how would you counsel christian parents in in, ra- in the raising of kids in in the bay area and without skipping a beat he said i think we need to catechize our kids huh I think, we need, I think we need to catechize our kids. He went on to say, because our culture is catechizing our kids, whether it's through the media or other various uh, forms, the culture is catechizing. Them, so we need to, as Christians, catechize our kids in order to inoculate them. Now, what, what does that mean? Uh, catechisms are short doctrinal statements, little, often question and answer format, uh, little statements that kind of help Christians be instructed in the faith. They were very popular centuries ago. They're still kind of popular today, but they're these short doctrinal statements that help Christians uh, be instructed in the faith. So one of the most famous, perhaps the most famous of all question and answers of of a catechism type is the Westminster Shorter Catechism question and answer number one. What is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So you can see how these kind of little short statements can be helpful for for pondering, for reflection, maybe, maybe even meditation, but certainly for instruction. So he was saying, you know, we need to catechize our kids. But his point, as he went on to explain, Pastor Tim Keller, was not that we need to actually literally sit down with our kids and have them memorize these question and answer catechisms, although that's a helpful practice, by the way. His bigger point was Christian parents need to especially be actively and intentionally helping our kids get a biblical framework so that they can navigate this world as Christ followers. That that was his bigger thought. We need to help our kids just get a biblical framework in them so that they can navigate this world. He said, because the world is catechizing our kids. Well, what does that mean? Well, let's start to get into this text here. Because in Deuteronomy 6, uh, uh, Moses is bringing all of God's people together for this momentous occasion. Okay, even if you didn't grow up reading the Bible, ch- chances are you know that God's people eventually made it into the promised land. And there was a big buildup towards. In fact, centuries and centuries went by for them just anticipating this moment where they would finally enter into the promised land. They had gone through slavery. They had wandered in the wilderness for just years and years and years. And finally, at the precipice, like literally right as they were on the other side of the Jordan River to the promised land, Moses says, hey, wait, before you guys go in, I want to stop, take a moment here, and essentially do a worship gather. And there he preached uh, three sermons. And in his sermons, which are basically, essentially, by the way, the book of Deuteronomy, he preaches the main thought or two thoughts of remember to follow the Lord and remember to follow his ways. So as you're getting ready to enter into the promised land, people of God, Remember the Lord and remember to follow his ways. And one of the big themes throughout all this message in Deuteronomy, and in fact, it's probably the main point of our text today here in chapter six is, and as you think about remembering the Lord and remembering to follow his ways with all the children who are also gathered here on this momentous occasion, parents, and by the way, not just parents, people of God, you know, aunties and uncles, figuratively speaking, make sure you are helping them learn to remember the Lord and follow his ways. In other words, don't just do this here and now in the short run. Make sure that you are instructing the next generation to have this framework so that they can follow. That's why Tim Keller was saying we got to catechize the kids we go, because we got to be instructing them very thoughtfully. But then when he said the, you got to be careful because the culture's catechizing your kids, that's one of Moses' points too. He says, be careful that you don't follow the other gods. This won't be on your screen, but this is in verse 14 of our text. He says, Don't, be careful not to follow the other gods of the land. Uh, what, does he mean, what did he mean by that? And how does that have any implication for today? This is what I believe Tim Keller was saying when he says you gotta be careful because the, the culture, the media, and all these other forms are catechizing your kids. We live in a very secular world today. It would be easy to s- dismiss what Moses was talking about following other gods as, well, that was back then. That was 2,000 years before Jesus, right? Idol worship isn't a thing today. But that would actually be missing a very important point that we got to think about today in our own cultural context. And that is back then when they worshiped these idols, they weren't worshiping the figurines themselves. They weren't worshiping the substance, the material. They were worshiping the God represented behind the figurine. You following? So in other words, they weren't worshiping the figurine. They were worshiping the the goddess of sex. Or they weren't worshiping the figurine. They were worshiping the God of success or the God of power. And if you start to think about it in those terms and you start to think about where we are in the Silicon Valley, you start to realize, oh my goodness, while it might take different forms, might not look the same way in terms of, you know, that quote unquote worship. Those forces absolutely are at play where we live. And absolutely will have a sway and draw to them to the next generation. Are you tracking with me? So this is what Tim Keller was saying, by the way, from the scriptures like the one we're looking at is we've got a catechize. We we've got to be really important, Moses is saying to actively and intentionally be giving our kids a biblical framework so that they can navigate this world as Christ followers. Okay, how do we do that? Uh, That's what we're gonna talk about today. And by the way, I hope, and it's my understanding that, that this text would be relevant to you, this topic would be relevant to you, even if you don't have kids, whether or not you have kids because there's there's a raising of the generation, not just involved in parenting. We're we're all called to this as God's people. So how do we parent? How do we raise the next generation uh, in these ways? Uh, We're gonna look at four ways from this text. Uh, The first way we do this is by living it and modeling it. We need to live it, we need to model it. Uh, In verse four, we have the very, very, very famous Shema. Have you heard that term before? It's a very famous uh, Hebrew term. Uh, It literally means hear, as in, you know, listen, hear. Hear, O Israel. It's the confessional text of Judaism, and, and for very good reason. Here it is again. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts so Moses here at, with all of God's people while they're on the precipice of entering into the great promised land is, is giving this sermon saying you need to remember the Lord, you need to remember to follow him. And he's getting ready to say in the very next verse, if you have your Bibles, you can look at it, it won't be on the screen here for you, impress these commands on your children. Teach it to them, instruct them as you walk, talk about it. He, that's where he's going. But first he says they're to be on your hearts. We need to first, when it comes to thinking about the next generation, parenting, raising them as a, as a people, as a church, we need to first be living it ourselves. Are, are you living? Are you, is it on your heart? Now, you don't have to spend a just ton of time with kids to understand that they are, all, they tend to be a lot smarter than we usually give them credit. Now, I'm not talking just academic smarts, although they certainly will surprise you in that sense too. I'm talking kids are highly perceptive in terms of what you're doing and how they're learning from you. I see a number of parents nodding their heads right now. Like, you know what I mean? Like they, they're just watching, they're sponges and they're just connecting two and two and just and, and they are learning from your, your ways. So we gotta be real thoughtful in terms of this whole thing has to start in our own hearts. Are we living? Because the kids are gonna pick up on that. Uh, Larry Osborne wrote a book that we uh, often take leaders through for training called uh, Lead Like a Shepherd. Larry Osborne is a pastor out of Southern California and one of the gods of the land, so to speak, he describes in Southern California, I wonder if any of you would attest to this if you're from Southern California. One of the gods there is youth sports. He says, one of the guys in Southern California Are is is youth sports. I mean, it's like, he, he says it this way. He kind of he says it laughingly and seriously. He's like, when a kid hits a home run in T-ball, the parents are like, well, we got a D1 scholarship on our hands. And like, no joke, we'll begin to reprogram their entire life around little son's, you know, sports, you know, uh, programming, so that he's getting the best coaching, so he's getting on the best teams, and all that sort of thing. And he says one of the fallouts from that, as a pastor, he's seen is often what will happen is pa- parents will go, "Oh, this is really important." Uh, so much so, "Oh, okay, games are on Sundays. Okay, they can, they can, Church is important, but but we'll miss church for that. That's that's okay." And he says the problem with that is it starts to show the kids something that they're, they're picking up on. And he said, also the problem with that is just kind of like statistical, you know, statistics. He says, because if you think about like kids making varsity teams and how low of a chance that is, it's like really low, let alone like scholarship level, let alone like the big leagues. It's, it's like, it's pretty incredible. But then he says this, and this, this won't be on the screens. He says, on the other hand, the odds are incredibly high, nearly 100% that this little guy will learn the life lesson that his parents are unintentionally teaching him. Church is important unless there is something more important. Even worse, most of these parents are oblivious to the fact that while our children tend to adopt our values, they seldom adopt our boundaries. Let me read that one again. While our children tend to adopt our values, they seldom adopt our boundaries. He's saying if parents consistently choose sports, say, in the, in, in the interest of this example, over, say, going to church, or let's say, like, in more of our culture, although I think sports is still there, maybe it's more like, you know, just to study for the tests, you know, on Sunday, or whatever it might be on the morning when we miss church. He's saying kids are picking up on that, and we ought not to be surprised, he goes on to say, when they go off to college and they decide to skip church because, well, they have an exam they got to study for. Or because they just decided to need to sleep in, sleep in, because they've considered something else more important. Now I'm sharing this example as an example. Okay, I'm not trying to belabor the point. Go to the church. Go, go to church, or you know what I'm saying. But I think this is a helpful example to kind of start to wrestle through. And by the way, we have to wrestle through it. So Cindy and I, we've got we a little guy who's starting to play sports and we've had to think through like, what does this mean for, for our family? And there's a few Sundays where, okay, maybe that game does make more sense, but what does that mean? Okay, we'll watch online church later so that he, you know, he's getting the values. He's understanding the importance of it. Uh, we, gotta, we gotta be thinking about it. This is not meant to be legalistic and we'll talk more about that point later. But the point we're saying here is in raising the next generation, it starts with our values, It starts with our actions. It starts with our priorities. Um, You can think of it this way. I'm just playing this example out further. When we go on vacation, I'm so grateful for for my parents in this regard. Like they used to really emphasize the importance of going to church on vacation. Now at the time, I wasn't so grateful for it because I liked hanging out at the you know campsite, the lake. It's like, wait, Sunday morning we are out here at the lake. He's like, you no, know, we're we're going to church. We're we're gonna go and start the week off by worshiping the Lord. Um, and then when I got there, it was actually fun and good and all that sort of stuff. But on on, on hindsight, looking back, I realized what a gift. And, and by the way, my parents and, and no parents are perfect. Um, my parents were such a gift to me in this regard because I got to, I just got a front row seat of seeing them chase after the Lord, putting His kingdom first, His values first. You know who else had an incredibly big impact on my, like influence on me as a kid? Random Cal students. Random students at UC Berkeley. What are you talking about, David? My, my parents uh, went to church, started a church there right near the Berkeley campus, which meant, it was so close to campus, 80% of the congregation were Cal students. It's kind of funny. Uh, there's so many of them, which is so interesting, because one, uh, first of all, there weren't a lot of kids there. I was basically the youth group, that kind of thing, you know, uh, because we were all college students. And so I, but, so we, I had formally some of these Cal students kind of invest in me and teach me, and that was loads of, it made loads of a difference, but also just like, watching these Cal students just like serve in the church, wrestle with their faith. It's not like I was over there eavesdropping or whatever, but you're just hanging out and you're just hearing conversations, that sort of thing. And I'll tell you what, UC Berkeley, you can't go to UC Berkeley as a lukewarm Christian. I mean, you can certainly try, but they're gonna, you know, Berkeley has a reputation for like, challenge you on your faith. And and in some senses, I I love that. It's like, it'll sharpen your faith. But my point is, as a kid, I got to see people really wrestling with their faith Taking it seriously, trying to ask questions and and work through. That had a huge impact on me as a kid. And I just want to, again, say the point. We're not just talking about parenting specifically. We're talking about raising the next generation. And kids, they're always watching. They're always learning. You guys are in the Silicon Valley, a place that's not known for being all that receptive towards Christianity. Are you living it out? Are you modeling it? It's incredible to think that our little ones are watching you and they're learning from you. And by God's grace, they're, they're being uh, uh, influenced by you in, in, in wonderful ways. First way we uh, parent or raise of the next generation, according to Deuteronomy 6, as I see it, is, is to live it out, to model it. Number two, we see here that we need to seize what I'll call teachable moments. Okay? We, need to, we need to seize teachable moments. Verse 20 says, in the future, when your son asks you, what is the meaning of these stipulations, decrees, and laws of the Lord, our God has commanded you? Tell him, tell him we were slaves, but the Lord brought us out. Tell him the the Lord sent signs and wonders. Tell him that that God brought us out to bring us into this wonderful land, the the provision that we have here. Tell him that the Lord commanded us to obey so that it would go well with with us. And tell him that if you keep it carefully, it'll go well with you. Seize teachable moments. When your son asks you, tell them seize these teachable moments. Uh, I'm not making this up. Literally last night, uh, late when we were putting our kids down, uh, we had a, we had a, one of our kids ask a question about like biblical things. And I was tired. Uh, it was, it was late. We had a long day sports and all that sort of thing. Plus the Warriors, uh, one, so that was cool. We had to watch that. Um, and so, you know, we're getting to bed late. It's already well past their normal bedtime. Daddy needed to go work on the sermon type deal. And uh, my, my our little girl asked, um, what happens after you die? And f- full, full confession here, I was thinking, wait, you just need to go to bed. Just, just go to bed. I need to go work on a sermon that... Is going to be talking about seizing teachable moments uh, you know it's like that's going through my head like, oh, i gotta answer you gonna talk about it. cindy cindy uh answer we, we answer and you know we she, she, and i was we asked well, what's behind your question she's like well my friend says you go to be with god but it takes a long time and you know hey, yeah hey i'm not going to try to get into all of this but it's hey that's it's a, a great question you know the scriptures are pretty clear that when we pass away we go immediately to be with the lord there's this place and uh, Philippians chapter one. We could read it later in the morning when you have more energy. It talks about when Paul says, when, uh, when we depart, we go to immediately be in the presence. And Jesus on the cross, speaking to one of the prisoners there, says, today you will be with me in paradise. And oh, okay. A few weeks back, uh, Caleb uh, asked the question, uh, Daddy, why, why do we go to church? And uh and again, it was late. It always happens late. <laughs> I'm trying to stress the C's of the, the C's teachable moments part here. And uh, it was a good question. Now, he wasn't asking, oh, because it's so boring. Like that, I mean, that's another conversation. He was asking, like, well, why do we go every week? Like, why, why is it we go every week? And just like, hey, that's such a good question. You know, why do we go every week? Going every week on the first day of the week is our way as a family, as followers of God, is saying, God, this week, next week, every week, is first and foremost because of you and for you. We're just gonna start this week by saying, we love you, we trust you, we worship you. It's our way of just coming together as God's people and doing that. He said, oh, I have another question. Oh, okay. Seriously, that's how it goes, you know, just to bring you into it. But of course, it's wonderful to be able to work these things through. What's the other question? He said, well, how come so many of my friends at school don't go to church? Some of them do, some of them do, but not all of them. Why not? Oh, that's another good question. You know how you've been learning in kids' church, you've been reading stories about Jesus and how he would tell a lot of people about God's love for them and not everybody would listen to Jesus and he's the son of God and they weren't listening to him. it, it, It works that way too. Not everybody believes and God's not trying to force us to believe. He just, he wants to put it out there. Oh, okay. And by the way, this is why we do things like kids camp. You know, you have some of your friends coming to kids camp. This is a way of like helping them have opportunity just to hear again. Here, and, and that's why we pray for them. Oh, okay. So we just seize teachable moments. When, you, when your son asks you, tell him. Find these teachable moments uh, to, to, to work it through with them. I won't get into a full-blown example, but like sometimes when we're coming out of the movie and there'll be themes that we hadn't been anticipating in said movie. You're like, all right, probably gonna have a conversation around that and we're waiting for them to ask, and more times than not, they do ask, and if they don't, we say, hey, what do you think? Because we know they're thinking about it based on their age and being there. You're right, and you just work it through and you talk about, well, what do you think God says about that and all that sort of stuff? You know, Moses, by, by very nature in this text was seizing a teachable moment. I mean, you know, we're looking directly at the, the text in verse 20 where it says, when your son asks you, tell him. But just by very nature, this text is itself a teachable moment. They're getting ready to walk into the promised land. And Moses is like, let's gather up the people. We've got to talk. We've got to do a worship service. We've got to remind. We've got to put a little stake in the ground to say, God, this, this is because of you and this is for you. Times of transition are some of the best times for teachable moments. Uh, we live in a very transient area, even if you've been in the Silicon Valley for a long time, like three years. Uh, chances are you've moved a bunch, right? I'm kind of playing with that, kind of half half am, half not. But my point is when you move or like whatever the transition might be, a little baby brother or sister's on the way. Can you find a way, whatever the case, new job, can you find a way to say, hey, let's just stop and let's, let's thank God for what he's been doing. And let's ask his blessing and protection and and allow him to give us opportunities to love in this new stage. Are you tracking? We, we, need, to, we need to seize teachable relationships. I, uh, some of our kids are getting the age. The birds and the bees are like the questions coming up. And I, I like this example because sometimes it's like, well, how am I going to answer that? Sometimes we don't know how to seize the teachable moments. That's okay. It's one of the beauties about being in community. We say regularly that, you know, uh, uh, oh, I'm totally losing the phrase. What do you say with the village Takes a kid, it takes a village, thank you. Say it regularly, but I can't remember it. takes a village to raise kids, right? And as a, as a church family, we're doing this together. So it's like, let's say there's a question that your kid asks and you don't quite have it. You'd be like, let me think about that, son. And they go ask somebody or look into it or whatever it might be and then come back. The point is, if they're asking these questions and maybe they're, they're harder to answer or maybe they're a little bit interesting to answer, wouldn't we want to, instead of just letting it them figure it out on their own wouldn't we want to like enter into that space and have those conversations with them and open a safe space for them to want to ask us those questions so in parenting and raising up the next generation we need to live it model it we need to seize teachable moments and then i think we see here we need to look for and create rhythms for formative discussion uh look at again at verses seven and nine so so Moses first says, these commandments need to be on, on your hearts. And then he says this, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the doorframes of your houses and on your gates. Uh, look for and create rhythms for formative discussion around God's word. One of the best places, at least for our family, for these kind of formative conversations is in the car. Cindy and I will sometimes try to have formative conversations around dinner and, you know, sometimes that works. Often it doesn't necessarily work because you're eating and, I don't know, you're looking at each other. <laughs> but it's one—it's wonderful, though, when you're in the car because everybody's like looking out, you know, as we're kind of driving, everybody's heads are, for you know, questions will just be lobbed over the front seat. <laughs> you know? And you know what? We'll lob some questions back. And it's a great chance to just start Creating formative discussions. I'll tell you what, and this is Cindy's thought. I thought this was wonderful: is is asking questions on the on the ride home from church with the little ones. Hey, what did you learn in kids' church today? What was the text? What what did that teach you about God? What did you teach? The, what did that teach you about what God wants wants for you? Wants wants for us? Let's talk about that. Uh, bedtimes. We've already kind of hit on that. That's uh, really important. Uh, I, I just, I mean, just rhythm-wise, you're always going to bed, right? And there's always kind of usually a routine for that. Uh, parents, if you aren't taking advantage of, of reading, especially reading uh, Bible stories uh, at that time, I would just highly encourage you to consider that. I mean, that's just prime time to read a little uh, child Version of a Bible story with them, and then just talk it over them. If you're still still got a little bit of energy, ask if they have any questions, and be ready for a few more. And you know what I mean. Like, and then just and by the way, if you have any questions about like age appropriate Bibles, uh, and when I say that, by the way, partly what I'm saying is like you know in terms of attention span, like pictures are a great way, and then you can ask questions. There's some wonderful tools out there. the The point is not so much, you know, the 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 rhythm and the 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 Bible stories itself, it's, it's trying to create little opportunities, looking for rhythms to get God's word into them and to have discussions around that. And you'll find that sometimes the kids will bring up things like, hey, in school, people are making fun of me or people are saying this or that. And you get to talk about, okay, what, what happened, And how, how might God want you to respond? And you know, what, is, what does God say about treating others? Do you remember? Oh, do you, can you think about how how it says that we need to treat others as we're called to treat treat others? And you just start to work through and get the scripture deeper and deeper into them. We need to look for and create rhythms for formative discussion. Uh, praying as a family before meals is a wonderful place. If you've never done that, it's a good rhythm to build in there. It doesn't have to be a fancy prayer, by the way. You can ask... Everybody, what they're thankful for, just to give you little ideas. There's, I'm sure, many more ideas. You can uh, have discussion after the message to talk about that. Another creative outlet here, actually, literally, it says, you know, write these and put them on your gates and on the doorposts and stuff like that. For you creative types, you can put them in visual learners. You can put, like, Bible verses up. I was talking this over with Cindy and she was just like kind of laughing at me because I'm, that's not me. That's not my style. Um, but I think it's a pretty cool thought, if, especially for those of you where it's like, if you have a meaningful verse, I've seen some families put a meaningful verse on the door as they head out of the front. So they, every time they pass it, they have this verse that will remind them uh, just of, of, of the vision that they have of family. Some of you guys just recently dedicated your kids. Maybe you have that somewhere. Uh, again, this is not meant to be something where you have to do it this way cookie cutter but the point is finding different ways to actively intentionally teach instruct our kids with a, a biblical framework so that we can so that they can navigate the world as Christ followers. And I just want to really make a point of emphasis here. This is not meant to be a legalistic thing. This is not meant to be you better do it or you're going to feel guilty either as a kid <laughs> Or as the parent, you're not doing, you that's not the purpose. It's also not the purpose to do these things, just to go through the motions. Uh, Jesus, at one point, was speaking with a group of religious leaders called the Pharisees. And he basically called out that they were doing precisely this. They were doing it in a legalistic way. And as religious leaders, he especially called them out because he was showing some hypocrisy that was uh, bleeding out from them to others that Jesus was like, we can't not talk about this. So basically, based on literally our text, Deuteronomy 6, these Pharisees, these religious leaders had gotten these things called phylacteries, which are basically these little boxes with straps so you can like tie them around your wrists. Sound familiar? Deuteronomy 6. They put little scripture texts in there. But Jesus called them out. He said, at some point, you guys are being hypocritical. Everything you do is done for people to see. You make phylacteries wide and the tassels on your garments long. He's saying, God is not interested in you just doing this to go through the motions or, or worse, to show off like you're the religious hot stuff. See, this, this, is, this is not a legalistic thing. This is an, uh, a means to a greater end. Which leads us to our last and most important point when it comes to parenting and raising up the next generation, and that is this: you can't forget the main thing. Don't forget the main thing. Uh, what's the main thing? Uh, Shema. Hear, o, o, o Israel. The Lord is uh, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. Love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. What is the main thing? The main thing is to love the Lord. What is the main thing? The main thing is not just doing these things. It's not just rules to follow. What is the main thing? The main thing is Doing these things as an expression of what the main thing, which is a personal relationship with the Lord. And just to bring that home for one second, how many, perhaps even of you in this room, let alone out there in the world, have kids grown up in a church experience and later on just thought it was all just about rules. All about doing and 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 not doing. These are wonderful things, they're commandments, but they are an ends, there are means to an end, and that is expression of our love for God. Jesus, at one point, he said in John 5, again, talking to the Pharisees on another occasion, he said, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you will have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. And then he says this a few sentences later, you believed, if, if you believed Moses, which by the way, includes Deuteronomy 6, if you believed Moses, you would believe me for he wrote about me. Jesus was saying, all scriptures point to me, including Deuteronomy, including the commands and decrees and laws. How? Because they're showing my love for you. They're ultimately pointing you to who I am and who I'm calling you to be. Not just something to do, or worse, go through the motions. We're called to, through these principles, through these practices, grow in our love for the Lord. And show, show our kids that they can do the same. And the best news of all, the good news, the gospel is that God's greatest love for us was the greatest act of parenting ever. That he sent his perfect son to die on the cross for our sins. Which, by the way, those sins include are not very good parenting. Those sins include when we stumble in our parenting. Because even the perfect parents, you know, aren't perfect. Even the best parents aren't perfect, I should say. Jesus dying on the cross covers even that which is the main thing. He is the only God. First of all, the Lord our God, he is one. He is the only God. But in comparison to these false gods, he's the only God that will actually sacrifice, has sacrificed for you, for me, for the kids. All these other ones that we follow, success, sex, uh, whatever the case might be, power, we will sacrifice for those things and they will only ever let us down. But God... In the greatest parenting act of all gave his son to die for us, including the parents who are trying their best. And so our call is to partner together with him with that covering as he parents your kids and mine. As he is the good parent, even through our far from perfect parenting. And so the questions today are, first of all, are you living it? Are you modeling it? Is it something inside you? Is it something that, that you desire? Not, 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 Going through the practice, not the tradition, not the rules, not the, you know, but the relationship with God, loving him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Maybe today you're asking him, Lord, I want to start this in me. Would you, would you meet me here? And then are you seizing teachable moments? Are there, are there teachable moments happening around you? By the way, given the gospel that we just shared, that God died for our sins, one of the best, perhaps best, uh, Seizable moment that we can that we can teach through is when we mess up. You know what I mean? Like when we don't parent all that well, when we stumble and mess up, and our kids are there, which they're going to be from time to time. One of the most teachable moments is just to own that and say, "You know, I, I messed that up. That's why that's why Daddy needs Jesus too. Would you forgive me?" And in those ways, we're pointing our kids to the Lord all the more. Are you? Are you Seizing teachable moments. And then are you looking for rhythms? Creating rhythms for, for formative discussion because there's a lot of quote unquote gods out there. A lot of these forces out there that are gonna be alluring to the kids, are alluring to the kids. alluring to us, let alone kids as they're trying to figure this out. So where can we meet them there and join with the Lord who in his greatest act of parenting of all sent his son to die for us, for us and for them. Uh, let's be thinking about this week. let's be praying about that. And let's collectively together church family do that for our kids. Let's pray. Father, what up almost it almost feels like equally uh, Incredible, but also challenging call that you have in front of us in parenting. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's amazing. It's incredible. It's also like, boy, we, but we can't get our heads or, uh, heads or hands around that. And so we're so thankful that at the end of the day, we're, we're just ultimately called to parent alongside you and that you're gracious with us even, even when we don't do it all that well. And you, you ultimately have these precious little ones that you've entrusted into our care in your hands. Father, would you help our little ones grow in their love for you with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength? Would you help them grow to be pillars of the faith, a generation that follows you, remembers you, and follows your ways and points others to Jesus? And, Fathers, we turn now to communion, to remember what you did for us on the cross. Would you help us remember that you, as as our perfect heavenly Father and as the perfect Son, uh, chose to sacrifice it all, such to bring us into your family. Thank you for the cross. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.